each Sunday night I'd watch the practice with none of my friends I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby a weekly podcast where Keith, Keith, I'm Keith, Mike and I work our way through <laughs> David e. Kelly's The Practice. This week, uh, identity issues aside, we are working up through season three, episode 14 of Human Bondage. So uh, you're Mike, I'm Keith. How's it going? Keith, it's going okay. As I mentioned, the world appears to be crumbling around us. Political news, celebrity news, my mom is in the hospital. But Keith, what we are qualified to talk, well, qualified me is a dicey word as well. But we are here, <laughs> what we are here, and we have taken a unofficial oath <clears throat> that we take more seriously than senators take their oath to the Constitution, is to talk yeah, about... That's an understatement. Is to talk about David E. Kelly's prodigious television series the practice so let's go ahead and do that uh by tidying up some business we have to attend to before we can get into the meat and potatoes of the episode itself you mean business like filings and subpoenas filings and subpoenas filings and subpoenas filings and subpoenas we have heard from some of our favorite listeners this week uh we got one just just today or yesterday, uh, from our friend Lauren is Square on Instagram, who commented on the photo I uh, put up of Holland Taylor with the fly in her hair, and she said, "Holy shit, good catch! We'll have to discuss it when I guest on your show." <laughs> so uh, someone didn't listen to our abject denial. Uh, I think she just rejects the premise. Which okay. Which I can respect. Mm -hmm. I, I can absolutely respect that. Uh, but yeah, no. Well, I mean, I send us a voicemail Let's with start your there. thoughts on the fly, mm -hmm. and then we'll uh, we'll broadcast it. We'll, we'll and we will discuss. It's much like Keith's conversation with his Mormon friend. He could have jumped right into just playing the movie, but but he respectfully held a, a sincere conversation first. So why don't you send us that voicemail first and we'll see where things go from there. We'll decide if we're going to break our no guest rule for you. Wait, 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 wait. Are you, 
are you setting up a situation in which somebody has to audition to be on this shit show of a podcast? Well, it's sort of like a reverse audition, right? We got to make sure that she's shitty enough to, <laughs> to qualify. <laughs> you must be below this bar. Right. It's like a noise gate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. All right. Well, moving on. Uh, another one of our uh, favorite new listeners, new slash old slash uh, bifurcated personalities. Yeah. Uh, our good friend CloudLover69 commented on a picture that I posted on Instagram. Guys, follow us on Instagram mm -hmm. at Out of Practice Podcast. Uh, that I took, I, f I was walking through Times Square on my way home, and boom, there's a whole bunch of steam coming out of the uh, out of the the ground, and I was I had to take a picture and post it. And so CloudLover, of course, commented saying, "How cool! Must be great to see clouds up close like that." <laughs> the only ground clouds I ever see are fog, but they can be hard to see sometimes because of the fog. I hope to get to travel to the city and see them for myself. Just ground clouds. Just a true comedic genius we've unearthed. I'd Seriously, uh, cloud lover, you have too much talent as a comedic writer. Uh, you should not be talking to us. You should be writing for something. Uh, cloud lover who <laughs> the, the new Instagram has created an Instagram profile, uh, the bio of which is only not Tom Brady, <laughs> which mm. is amazing. So, uh, thanks for reaching out, everybody. If you'd like to send us an email, send it to outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. We're on, on Instagram and Facebook. So uh, reach out. Tell us we're right. Tell us we're wrong. Make fun of us. Come up with uh, huge new personas. You know, uh, I can only hope that two things in my life. There's, I have two hopes, Keith. Okay. Only two that exist still. I've lost the rest of them. Number one. That when we are long finished this podcast and it actually, people start listening because it will be the full body of episodes and people will seek it out watching the practice in the future. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That some internet sleuths, much like those found on Netflix new streaming documentary, Don't F With Cats, will unearth the existence of Cloud Lover 69 slash Tom Brady slash whomever else he'll become, she'll become. <laughs> uh, and then follow up to that is that it turns out to be a person not related to you or me. I, 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 sure, <laughs> I sure hope so, but I have my doubts. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. Well, it is time to hop into the time machine. Nope. Back to not yet. No, that, that it's would, not. That would start the episode proper, but I have a little bit more time to waste before that. Oh, uh, please, yeah. Uh, but let's let's hear... all just get closer to death. Yes, before we talk about the episode of the TV show this podcast is about, I'd like to briefly discuss something else. Okay. The lights turn way down below. Make it so. Make it so. Make it so. The lights turn way down below. <laughs> Make it so. Make it so. Make it so. Did you, did you like it so much you wanted to send it again? I did. Uh, a thank you to James Covenant on YouTube for that delightfully festive uh oh that, that whole thing the whole video is amazing yeah it's really good you should check it out uh, you can just uh, youtube search james covenant it's up there keith many of our longtime listeners will know that this uh, this 
podcast you're enjoying currently is a complete ripoff of Star Trek The Next Conversation. That's right. Which I hope everyone listens to. So, because of that, to pay homage to the resident Star Trek superfan, uberfan, family member, if you will, he's less than six degrees separated from the pantheon of Star Trek The Next Generation... This week we debuted the, the I guess we call it a pilot, or the inaugural episode of Star Trek Picard. And That's right. S- since, since I know you could probably talk for hours about it, I decided to allow you 30 seconds that I will time. 30 seconds, okay. Uh, but I'm going All right, to, well, I have to get a timer first, hold on. Okay, well I will, uh, obviously, spoiler alert, if you have not seen it, although I'm not going to get into that many details... Uh, I will just give my general impressions in 30 seconds. Do you have the timer? Are you ready? Yes, let's begin in three, two, one, begin. Okay, well, first off, I was really nervous going into it, um, but I'm actually genuinely pleased and surprised that, uh, that while the show is much more uh, mature and adult and dark in tone, it still has the beating soul of Jean-Luc Picard and his sense of humanity and humanism. So I'm excited to see where it goes. The mystery is interesting. Um, uh, yeah, I'm excited. Let's let's do this. Come on, Star Trek Picard. I feel much better than I did about uh, this about Discovery the first season. So hey, there you go. Thirty one seconds. I gave you a, a a grace period for since it was the first episode. Okay, there it is. I also enjoyed it. And I'm also looking forward to continuing it. And uh, we'll allow you 30, we'll check in with 30 seconds here and there as that show progresses. Okay, yeah. And uh, it's it's fun to see all the old stuff. Although you want to know who's not getting royalties for all of their old sounds and stuff being used? Your brother? My brother and my uncle, because Paramount owns all the sounds. So, oh, man. Well, how much does that suck? It sucks pretty hard. But let's so let's go ahead and non-royalty beam ourselves into the next segment here and discuss a little something we like to call This Day in the Basement. So this episode of The Practice aired on Valentine's Day, February 14th, 1999. And I'm going to flip things up a little bit here, Keith, and ask you, what were you doing on Valentine's Day way over there in Rochester, New York, this day in the basement? Okay, well, look, you know, as is appropriate for Valentine's Day, I have a sad story to tell. <laughs> Get those <laughs> tiny, tiny violins out and your little chocolates a that are a little sad, melted. Sad story of uh, heartbreak and loneliness. So, uh, I've been mentioning the last couple of weeks that my freshman year in college was a little rough because I had some pretty uh, profound social anxiety. And uh, therefore, could not hang out with any of my friends because I was too afraid to make a phone call to ask how they were doing and what they were doing. But I had this one friend, my uh, my friend, who was uh, she or she is now a big opera star. But she at that point was just my best friend at school. She was also my accompanist. And uh, I mentioned b- before, speaking of Star Trek, that uh, just recently before this we actually spent an entire night uh, debating whether or not it was moral to watch a PG-13 movie, trying to get her to watch Star Trek First Contact. Well, at about this time in the year, 
Uh, she pulled me into a practice room, uh, getting ready for, you know, to, which we would rehearse and she was my accompanist. So she played the piano one night, sing this, that, the other thing. And she, out of the blue, completely with no warning whatsoever says, you know what, Keith, I can no longer be your friend Ooh. and I can no longer be your accompanist. And I'm like, what, 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 why not? Did we have a fight? Was there conflict? No. None whatsoever. She says, well, uh, I've given a lot of thought, but I can no longer continue to be friends with somebody who does is not religious. And, uh, and as a result, because of my lack of uh, belief in a higher power, Mormon or otherwise, she could no longer be my friend. Which left me pretty heartbroken, alone, and without an accompanist <laughs> for the rest of the year. So it sort of started a uh, a pretty rough spiral for the rest of the year in which I pretty much did not leave my dorm room except for work or classes. And put me in a pretty dark place about religion for a bit. <laughs> but... Uh, as a quick follow-up, yeah, so that happened. As yeah. you had mentioned, there was never any. You didn't have any romance. It was not a romantic relationship. This was just a solid no. friendship, right? It was not not for me. I I mean, it was just a it was just a friendship. Interesting. And 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 we certainly we talked about religion and we you know sort of debated it and I thought had fascinating college ish discussions on the topic. But did you maintain a a professional relationship afterwards? I mean. Not, I mean, we we're in the same, we we're in the same class and, mm -hmm. you know, and, and the, the voice major class was like 16. And, uh, so it was really small. We were on the same classes together. And by the senior year, there's only like eight of us. So, uh, I certainly came across her, but we never really spoke hmm. again. And it's been 20 some odd years. And, uh, I mean, we're friends on Facebook, but I don't think we've ever had a conversation really since that moment. So I will, I will share a story to take my time in the this day in the basement, because uh, this following story happened some point in my senior year. I can't quite pinpoint exactly when it happened, and I, I don't have any context clues to remember. So mm. I'm gonna just put it put it here. I had a friend, uh, one of my best friends in high school, uh, separate from my band friends. You know we. Uh, we had been friends all throughout middle school, mostly throughout high school, and he was a, a fairly devout Jehovah's Witness. Mm, sure. And <clears throat> come senior year, when the majority of us were figuring out, uh, were coasting because we'd already gotten into our colleges and we're planning the next year or so, he had decided to forego his first few years of college and actually go to what ostensibly is seminary in the Jehovah's Witness universe. Okay. I'm not sure. well studying on this, so don't take anything I'm saying as gospel, obviously. I never do. Okay, good point. And it, this, it was in Brooklyn, and it's a place called Bethel. And it's sort of a big warehouse in Brooklyn here in New York where they print all of their... Oh, is that like the Watchtower warehouse? Yes. You drive by on the BQE? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's if that's the main building or if it's part of the compound or whatnot. I don't, I don't know much about it, but I do know it was, it, this is where he was going. And... You know, that's great. That's cool. He was a very religious guy for the most part. But we had a great friendship. And I, like you, am not very religious at all. 
um, I'm pretty much a spiritual agnostic on a good day and stark atheist on others. So it depends. (laughs) And he, we, we had, uh, we would often go to Denny's late night and just kibitz about stuff, school, girls, sure. the whole nine. He took me to this the 24-hour Denny's. We, we met up. We were having a normal conversation. And he basically said to me, in a long conversation, he asked me if I would want to also come to Bethel and learn to be a Jehovah's Witness. Oh, interesting. Or if I would convert... And I expressed no interest in that. And he explained to me that it's sad because how, you know, we had learned a lot of things as Catholics or whatnot. And and the gist of what their belief was is that when we die as human beings, you just, it's over for you. There's nothing else. It's darkness, your sleeping body in the ground. But there are a predestined amount of Jehovah's Witnesses who will be lifted up on this earth, basically like zombies, and on this earth will be made clear and we can all get a little plot of land and farm our land. And he's like, we're good friends. I don't want to like live in eternity without my friends. So like, this is your shot. And I was like, Oh, interesting. I was basically like, nah, that's all right. I got other plans than that. And much like you just said, he was like, well, we can't be friends anymore then. Mm. And that was that. Just much like you, it's funny, the stories yeah, are so yeah. similar. I We never spoke again. I ran into him at a Six Flags Great Adventure maybe six, seven years ago. And he, no, maybe longer than that, 10, 15 maybe. Anyway, he had a whole group of people with him, so it seems like he had progressed to be a leader, an elder, whatnot, whatever they might be called in that religion. No disrespect, obviously. And he, when I, I obviously went up and was like, hey, buddy, to... Yeah, I haven't seen him in so long. Yeah. He literally held his people back so as not to interact with the infidel or whatever. I don't, I don't want to put oh words in his mouth, but that really? was the impression I got. And he just said, "I think it's better that you know we don't interact." And I said, "Okay," and that's that's it. So, oh wow! So that's, we've both been dumped by religion. That's Keith. cold. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, although uh, in my my friend's monologue, it wasn't you're going to go to nothingness. It's like you're going to burn in hell for eternity. Yeah, it's like literally what she said. <laughs> You're like, so I, I'm guessing there's no uh, candy gram coming my way. I well, I don't, I don't know. I mean, that's uh, that's the problem. Like, you know, she was raised in a very uh, strict and specific way. That I still, f- what I'm sad about is that we couldn't still be friends. Like, okay, I, I get that you believe that, and I. I, I wish that you didn't, but I, okay, fine. But we can still talk about like La Boheme, can't we? Yeah, I, I never quite no. understood. And this is definitely a different podcast, so I'll leave it here. I never understood how people who are so devout in their religion don't, isn't sort of the main thread through all religions that you sort of love everybody regardless? Uh, you would hope, yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It, uh, I guess that sort but, of explains my whole dichotomy, right? It's like, is that it's supposed to be this totally understanding, accepting, loving thing, except for here's a strict set of rules that if you don't follow it, we don't talk to you. So, yeah, the no, incongruence look, is what bothers me, but different podcast. Different podcast, different podcast. Well, uh-huh. on that note, comedian. <laughs>
I think I'll just start the podcast here and cut out the previous 25 minutes. <laughs> I think that every one of our podcasts would be improved by doing yeah, that. Yeah, you're probably right. A hefty edit. <laughs> but we're not going to. <clears throat> Instead, we are going to continue our sad Valentine's Day in 1999 and introduce uh, some of the trivia of the day. Uh, the local Burlington Free Press talked about uh, Jeffords' backlash unclear. Now, let me just uh, back up and tell you what all that was. Jeffords is referring to Senator Jim Jeffords, who was a Republican senator from Vermont, and he was one of only five Republican senators to vote to acquit Bill Clinton in the Senate impeachment trial. Funny how that all comes together. Uh, he was also a uh, in the Bush administration uh, around the time of the run-up to the war. Or it was either that or it was right after he was elected, the, uh, the W administration. He flipped parties, which flipped control of the Senate. Um, huge. Uh, Jim Jeffords, he was, uh, he, was, he was a Republican my whole life, but he was a really good guy. A really uh, had a, had a great deal of integrity, and so he was the type of guy that doesn't exist anymore. Uh, but I definitely would have considered voting for him back in the day. The number one song was I from mean, our I'm... ad for Hulu. Coming up on my phone now because I just had to stall that time because I hadn't pulled up the song yet. Here we go. It's coming. It's coming. <laughs> It's Monica singing Angel of Mine. The top movie was Message in a Bottle, which took in 18.8 million, starred Kevin Costner, Robin Wright, and Paul Newman. And I have no memory of... When I first saw you, I already knew There was something inside of you Yeah! Good tune, good tune. I feel like this was number one for a while, too. I think so. It's funny. That was such a black hole of music for me (laughs) that I'm really only peripherally uh, aware of it. All right. Well, moving on. It's time to talk about this day in... Oh, God, where is it? There it is. This day in sports ball, nothing interesting happened. Which brings us to uh, the most unnecessary segment we have in the world. With oh God! Can you tell me the weather? Cause we all need to know. Was it hot? Or did it snow? Tell me the weather from 21 years ago. I sure hope you had someone to love and snuggle close to, because on February 14th, 1999, it only reached a high of 29 degrees in Astoria, New York, but the windshield made it feel like it was a frigid 19, going all the way down to 14 degrees. So make sure you snuggle up to that religious partner who wants nothing to do with you. Yes, indeed. Have something to cover up your cold, dark, going to hell heart. <laughs> <laughs> All 
right, well, that only leaves us with one thing to do, and that is talk about this episode. Wow. This episode was written by David E. Kelly with partners Catherine Stribling. This was the only episode of The Practice she wrote on, but she wrote one episode of Jag and a whole mess of episodes of Dog Whisperer. Oh. And Jill Goldsmith, who also wrote on A Day in the Life and State of Mind. And it was directed by Dwight H. Little, who last directed One of Those Days. Hmm. Which leaves us with the question... What is that supposed to mean? What's your problem? Is this what happens to women when you insert your penis? What? What does Mike think's gonna happen? You know, what if he would have drank the curdled milk? Then what would have happened? I'll keep it brief. I'm going to just go out on a, a, a title-only limb here and say that we're going to have a very serious case this week. Very serious. Discussing and dealing with human trafficking. Oh, shit. I mean, we're going to okay. go there. We're going to go deep, dark, and discuss human trafficking. Now, whether we are defending someone accused of it or some other maybe helen's dealing with it we'll see but that's human trafficking is my guess okay well it's already been a pretty dark episode but you know what makes the darkness a little lighter an ad for anchor no shit i feel i feel so much better now oh man the sun just came out i know uh what to do if i want to start another podcast yep and if you want to see an episode of The Practice that, once again, has a cold open without a previously on, you're in luck. Because today we discuss The Practice, Season 3, Episode 14 of Human Bondage. Boom. Oh, some nice Boston B-roll. Somber music to start. Why do you keep defending this guy? Because I like him. Because he was my first client ever. And because he's innocent. I also have the time because I didn't get the asbestos business. Funny. That's right. Uh, can I help you? Dolores Kepler. Right I'd to like to hire house. an attorney. The nastiest one you've got. That would be Eleanor Frett, but she just left. Um, what's this regarding? <laughs> Divorce. I really don't want Shots a woman. fired already. I want to... Well, dick is an offensive word, but it's the only one I can think of. I know of exactly which... what you're saying, and Eleanor okay. Fred's definitely what you're looking for. Lady wants a dick. Lady who's making Bobby Donald smile, so he either has <laughs> known her or knows her, if you know what I'm talking about. Yes, indeed. This walk-in client is played by Carolyn Aaron from The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel episodes... Madam Secretary, curb your enthusiasm. She plays a different character on Ellie and the third character on Boston Legal. Mm, she gets around, if you know she... what I'm saying. <laughs> is there Bobby, anybody we haven't offended hi, yet? Um, this is Dolores Kepler. This is Bobby Donald. She's looking to hire an attorney. Hello. Donald, you're the senior partner? Yes. Yeah, but he's not nearly as well. See, we're not exactly... Divorce attorneys here. I know you're criminal. That's what I'm looking for. Down and dirty street fighters. My husband. Well, let's just say I want him to hurt and I'm willing to pay for it. 
Well, that's dark. Danny? Hey, Bobby. Got a sec. Kind of important. Oh, yeah, another uh, friend. It's another sure. old friend uh, of Bobby. Mrs. Kepler. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, we're going to need to sort these out. Are you an old friend Bobby slept with or an old friend who's murdered a baby? We have two distinct cues. Yeah, but you definitely have to be one or the other. But I guess we might as well just introduce... I know that lawyer from somewhere! You don't know it, but I know it. Bobby's old friend is a lawyer played by Tim Kasnoff, who was a Golden Globe nominee for playing Sinatra in a miniseries. He's also been on NCIS, Dollhouse, Strong Medicine, and Oz. Does he have any... uh is he credited as a baby killer in any of those? Uh, it is not specified on IMDb. I think they have like a little check mark, but no. Mm, okay. Um. Uh, uh, Jimmy, could you uh, sit down with Mrs. Kepler? Sure. He doesn't look they very mean to me. To avoid her. You'd be surprised. Then. He's been known to embezzle funds when necessary. Hi, uh, Jane Brulody. I'm in a little bit of a jam. What's no up? Shit. Attorney client? Of course. Long story short, woman named Jenny Rains. Girl, I should say. She's 16. Teenage hooker charged with murder. Jesus. Murder? She's only slumming in criminal law now? You'll know why in a second. Jenny did not commit this crime. I know this because one of my biggest corporate clients was with her at the time. Playing checkers? Exactly. He's not willing to come forward. Instead, he comes to me, hires me to defend her. Evidently, he feels bad for her. Cut to, I'm headed into trial today. A lot of money in it. Take a handoff. For a trial starting today? You'll get a continuance. Today. I figure it's probably unethical for me to represent the girl and my client anyway. Oh, just now you figure that out? The case is circumstantial. I thought for for sure it would go away. And it didn't. Literally like nobody said, plan, plans ahead on this show. It's all like, today, Bobby, immediately. For old it's a murder sake, trial. Just bail me in. out. She needs a real criminal lawyer. Yes. Yes, she does. I gotta okay. say, I, I like the cold open. Yeah, no, I did too. I wrote down that I liked the two cases so far. It's, they it's both good, seem like, give, give us the immediate sort of set up for what the cases are and then roll the credits and then let's go yeah kept the uh, bickering to a minimum Lucy still had to take a throw an elbow at uh, Eleanor but we did get dispatched with that quickly it also was I don't recall it you know, in the 90s but I don't know that many shows did previously on that seems very specific to sort of when there's a lot of threads and overarching plot lines going on. yeah well, there were fewer serialized shows in the 90s. So, like, Law and Order... agree to even represent her? Because she'd been stuck with some rookie PD and my client wanted her taken care of. Taken care of would be getting her an independent lawyer who might track your client down as a witness. Look, she's better off with me than the PD. But you're the best I know. What do you think of this now? Who's sitting? Nelson. Nelson? He's not going to give you a continuance? If the DA agrees, he might. Who's the DA? Helen Gamble. What? Uh, what? Helen, she's cut through. Tim to meet me over here at court. All right, Lucy, if he does show up there, just tell him to get his ass down here quick before the judge issues a warrant, okay? 
Pearl. Hey. Eleanor. Uh-oh. You've got that look. What look? The look of a defense attorney who's missing a client. Is he a no-show again? He inserted his little missile into every orifice on her body. With me, he's a little flaccid piece of confetti. And suddenly, <laughs> with his secretary, he becomes Stonehenge. Could I stop you one sec? <laughs> yes. Wow. The thing about no-fault divorce, blame doesn't that's, become that's an issue. That's a good line. I, I want it to. That. Mrs. Kepler, these things come down to financial statements. I want it to come down to more. Married 19 years. It has to come down to more. And by more, you mean... Pain! His! He needs to hurt. Wow, she is giving us full Your Honor, we'd be anger. asking for a warrant. It's already 10.30 and the defendant is not present. Ms. Frutt, any information on your client's whereabouts? Well, Your Honor, um, if you could hold this case for just a few more minutes, I'm sure Mr. Sowers is on his way. He has to take two buses, and it's possible... I think that an hour and a half is long enough to wait. This is Even Richard McGonagall back as Judge Wilcox. Last call for Sowers. Leonard Sowers. He's passed out in the Leonard? back of the gallery. I'm here. Um, he's here, Your Honor. He's been here all along. Your motion is denied. Your Honor, I just oh. got this case. Okay, I don't so let's care. introduce Mr. Rogers some of those people three in the previous Mr. Rogers. So, uh, very quickly. I know that lawyer from somewhere. Eleanor's op opponent is played by Marcus Flanagan from Supernatural, Rogues of L.A., Unfabulous, and Melrose Place. Hmm. The Her uh, client, her sleepy client, is played by Clay Wilcox. From Justified, Central Division, Deadwood, and he was on Star Trek Enterprise in the episode Carbon Creek. I found it. Unnecessary Star Trek reference. Okay, you see how we waited till the scene was done? I was like a professional there for a second. Yeah, it was really well done. Rogers doesn't specialize in criminal law. Well, he should have thought of that before now. Your Honor, come on. I'll give you the morning to get up to speed. After lunch, we go. Adjourned. Now, if you'll notice in that shot there, Grace. right after the gavel, Sorry, or the gavel, the camera wiggles. Somebody hit the camera on that shot. Hmm. I was, it's very odd. I was distracted by these stark bangs that Helen Gamble is still rocking. Helen is still rocking the bangs. Uh, but we should definitely introduce this judge with his own full jingle. Who's the judge? Who's the judge? So I know I'm interrupting a lot with introductions, but such is when you don't have a previously on, this is what you pay for it because there's a lot of new people in the episode. This judge is played by Alan Oppenheimer. He is an Emmy nominee for Murphy Brown guest roles. He is 90 years old and still going. He was a, did a voice in Toy Story 4. Also, he was on The Big O. On Star Trek Voyager, he played Nezu, the ambassador, in Rise. On Deep Space Nine, he played Captain Kog in the Gem Hadar. On Next Generation, he played Joroth in The Rightful Heir. Uh, very, uh, where is it? There we go. Unnecessary Star Trek reference. But more than that. You don't know it, but this person is a piece of your childhood. 
Alan Oberheimer does extensive voiceover work in Smurfs, DuckTales, Chippendales, Slimer and the Real Ghostbusters, Transformers. He uh, was the voice of Skeletor on He-Man. You would see, he was in the original Westworld movie, and his career goes all the way back to the Andy Griffith show. Wow, so that is my childhood. That's what I'm saying. Welcome to the podcast, Alan Oppenheimer. You know, interestingly, his name is my name, too. You should probably meet with her. It, it, it is. Whenever we go out, the people always shout. Boo. Boo. Instead of Jingleheimer, Schmidt, Keith, Oppenheimer. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a comedian. What's going on, Leonard? I'm comedian? Not too good. I need to get a continuance. Okay, well, that's not going to happen. We talked about this. This is the third is time your case has been set for trial. Client. Really? Oh, God. <laughs> Practically getting a contact high off your breath. I needed to calm my nerves. Being a defendant is stressful. Well, being your attorney is stressful. And, you know, I asked you to tell you know, them you what you're doing. You can't work as trial. a pothead in this the business last without hair like that. To think you you like really can't know. I don't understand. They got Denny Staples for this. Why they got to keep coming after me? Because you were in the apartment when the police raided it. And just because a co defendant pleads guilty doesn't mean they dismiss your case. How many times do I have to explain that? You sound like you're on their side. I am on your side. I have been on your side for nine years, you big dope. Leonard, listen to me. With your priors, if we lose here, you are looking at 20 years. No good. Do you get that? Because I really need you to get that. Those feel like pretty high stakes, buddy. I might be awake for that. Who am I talking to here? We both heard the scream. And when we looked out the window, that's when we saw him. The victim. And somebody running away. The man I was with just left. He wanted to get out of the area before the police came. And what did you do? I went down the street to check on the guy who got stabbed. And that's when the police came and arrested me, saying I did it. Okay, Jenny. Um, Mr. Rogers has some conflicts of interest here. You know this. Yes. Mr. Rogers has some conflicts. The man I was with was his client. Yeah. And since Mr. Rogers has to look out for his client, he won't tell you to reveal this man's name. He never told me his name. Just the same, we have to try to find him. Bobby. I'm sorry, Danny, I can't not tell her this. The reason I came to you. Jenny, I'm gonna talk to Mr. Rogers for a second, and then I'll be back. Okay, and well, he does. Who's Murdering teenage sex workers! She could be, but really, she's a young Taryn Manning, who everyone would recognize. She played Pensatucky on Orange is the New Black. I'm that sure is you probably absolutely re- what I thought, but I didn't know for sure. You recognize that iconic voice, and I know her from Hustle and Flow, which she was great in. She was also in Crossroads, the Britney Spears movie about to be turned into a musical. Wow. And she was on uh, Hawaii Five-0, Sons of Anarchy. And this was only her second credited role. Hmm. Interesting. So, great actress. So Welcome unless, to the show, Taryn Unless Manning. she's being humanly trafficked, I'm guessing I was wrong yet again. Well, that would not be a first. 
Yeah, it's actually one of the longest continuous streaks in this podcast history is my wrongness. <laughs> actually, I, I think you get it right more often than not. I told you what I told you. I'm confident. My rightness doesn't. Of course, she has to know this. Just the textbook world, yes. Danny, in this world, for my guests, she can't be protecting the identity of her alibi. She is up on murder. Look at it from our side. My client, he has no duty to come forward, no duty to help out getting her a lawyer. So why should he be punished for doing so? Well, I doubt if he'll get charged for it. It's not the criminal charges. He's a CEO, married, four kids, and by the way, she's underage. He would get charged. Danny. The yeah, girl obviously. can't be counseled to conceal her alibi. I know you know this. She didn't get his name anyway, so... You know his name. Attorney-client privilege. I couldn't give it to you if I wanted to. So you're willing to ignore the rules for one client, but not for the other? Bobby, two weeks ago, you brought a corpse of a baby to a church. Uh-huh. Yes. You then confessed to the lawyer that you left the corpse of a baby on mm-hmm. the church steps. Yes. All of this to avoid your buddy having to turn himself into the police. Yeah, it's almost like every single one of Bobby's old friends is a douchebag or murderer in some fashion. Yeah, but I'm just talking like, about that what very, circles very was he running in? high horse that Bobby is riding in this conversation. Riding a high horse while committing multiple crimes is what this show was about. Mm, that's that's like, not untrue. It's not fair. Look, we can debate this all day. Bottom line, we both want to help out that girl. Let's do what we can. But not so much. Oh, Just no, you try don't. A little bit. You've never done a divorce case. This will be a good experience. Oh, sounds like a Lujak. Every Lujak is so I can get experience. Rebecca, you heard that woman. Keith, can we get she wants somebody trending on Twitter? Now, Maybe you might do you have think to. that helps sway me? How about we do it together? Having you by my side, maybe it'll make me nastier. I didn't mean how that came out. I like this buddy cop movie going on between Rebecca and Jimmy, though. I'd watch that. Hey. Hey, Kendall. Is my dad here? I think he's down posting a bond. He should be back in a second. Eugene's son. Who, if you remember, he was getting a little handsy with Lucy last time. Getting a little handsy. Oh, you know, I bet we're going to address that in some sort of uh, complex and adult and helpful way. I was really trying for just some dead air there, but I had to chuckle. <laughs> you burn, you know that? Excuse me? Uh, you like movies? Good ones. Maybe want to go to the movies sometime? With me? You mean as friends? Yeah. No, Lucy, that's not what he yeah, means. Yeah, as friends. Well, um, sure. Absolutely wrong I mean, answer. Excellent. Yeah, I mean, Mike, you and I, we go to the movies sometimes, but one, I usually don't. I, we have gone multiple times, thank you very much. Uh, but I don't usually begin with, you burn. Uh, and then I, see I if do, you in go fact, see but it. that's just because I'm riddled with syphilis. But that's a, <laughs> that's a different conversation. <laughs> Riddled with syphilis, the Mike and Daglio story. Rebecca Washington. She's going to do this case with me. Hi. Hi. Good. She looks meaner. Carolyn Aaron is is chewing all the scenery here. Yes, she is. Then we entered the residence pursuant to a search warrant. 
And what did you discover? Another subject, Denny Staples, was seated at the kitchen table. On top of the table, right in front of that subject, was a large bag of a white crystalline substance I believe to be cocaine. Cocaine. Did you discover anything else in that kitchen area? Yes. Also on the kitchen table, there was a beam scale and numerous empty mini Ziploc baggies. These are items commonly used to package drugs for sale. Anybody else present in the apartment at that time? I found Mr. Sowers, the defendant, lying down on a sofa in the living room. Did you notice anything unusual about the defendant? Yes. Lying on his chest was a bag of cocaine, packaged in the same plastic packaging material that was recovered from the kitchen table. The defendant falling asleep. falling asleep. And what did you do at that time? I placed the defendant under arrest, and another officer placed Mr. Staples under arrest in the kitchen. We recovered the seized items, then they were inventoried by Officer Terrell. The suspect narcotics were sent to the crime lab for testing and analysis, which proved positive for cocaine. And he's down again. All right. So, I'm not a cocaine doctor. Um, but the, the story is that he was passed out with a bunch of Coke on his chest. Now, uh, I don't know a great deal about cocaine, but I don't think it's the type of thing you take a bunch of and then fall asleep. You know, Keith, I've, there was one summer of my life where I indulged a bit in the cocaine. Where you were a cocaine doctor. Uh, doctor, probably not the right noun. However, you, you, you get you get a lot of good sleep. That's the thing. A very highly addicting sub- substance, but you know what I'm addicted to more is sleep. And yes. it only took a few experiments with the cocaine to know that the two were not compatible. And thus, I never was tempted to do it because I like to sleep. However, the other impression we were given here when Eleanor first spoke with him is that he was passing out because he was on a lot of marijuana. Right. So perhaps we are to believe that he smokes so much dope that he then needs the cocaine to like bring him back up. Uh, either way, it, the performance is a little over the top, like almost narcoleptic. Right, right, yeah. No, uh, that seems seems pretty extreme. Pretty extreme. However... But I, it, Go ahead. And something else I wanted to mention. What did you say the cop's name was? Uh, Mike Genovese. Mike Genovese. Uh, what he's doing in this performance, which I don't know if it was directed or if he just brought it into the room that day, but I find it very interesting, especially as a fact witness in this particular hearing. What he's doing, we don't often see the the people do, is usually we see the the lawyers asking questions and the the people on the stand responding directly to the lawyers. But what I like that Mike is doing here is that he's taking some of it to the lawyer, but then bringing the facts directly to the jury. So he's, right. he's really playing both audiences, which we don't actually see a lot because I think they want people to play towards the lawyers or you know, and not obscure the well, faces I, to camera. I, this guy's a cop. It, I, I, it seems like he has... He's a professional testifier. Like he's mm-hmm. he's done this dance plenty and he has an objective and that is to convict this dude. So he knows how to phrase things, he knows how to yep. direct his attention. It's it's good performance and good direction. And that's the wrong button I hit. Okay, great. Going so well. sleepy from all that cocaine. Mm-hmm. 
I think so they call sleepy it, we went to commercial. They call it cocalepsy. Officer Smitko, <laughs> my client wasn't named in the search warrant you were executing, was he? No, he wasn't. In fact, the only person named in the warrant was Denny Staples. That's right. Danny Crane. And who let you into the apartment that morning? Not yet. We so, entered forcibly. You broke down the front door? Correct. And how many officers were involved with that raid? Eight altogether. And did you announce your office when you entered? Yes, we did. So, the noise of the door being broken down, eight officers entering, and you're saying Leonard was just lying peacefully on the sofa, bag of drugs in full view. He appeared to be passed out. And did he wake up when you entered? No. I had to shake him a little to wake him up. So, you don't know if he even knew the drugs were on his chest? How could he not know? Well, you didn't see Leonard place the bag on his chest, did you? No, it was there when I entered. So, isn't it possible that somebody placed it on his chest after he fell asleep? See, Anything's this possible, feels like, but... You don't like know who put it the 90s, do you? like, vague understanding no. of drugs. Because he has the I behavior no of someone on heroin, but they're saying cocaine. He's, like, nodding off. He's, like, passed out. He's, he's the behavior of somebody on a downer. But, like, cocaine's the one they say on TV. It's, it's odd. I just like to hear you who I know is not, you've been a very never, straight edge kind of guy. I've never tried a drug yeah. in my entire life, I but really, I watch a lot of intervention. I really enjoy you parsing through it. <laughs> the guy who has literally never taken a drug. But I'd sooner go there. His, his entire I'm going to tell a story real fast to our audience, just so that you understand Uh-oh. what I'm talking about. So recently I got invited to a, uh, a party. And I, my wife was working, so I had Keith attend with me. Oh, right. And yeah. somewhere through the party, some a friend of mine uh, asked if we wanted to go outside and smoke some marijuana. And, if, you know, it was, a, it was a party. It was a Friday night. So I said, okay. And Keith, who knew no one else at the party, just decided to, like, come with me. So, we were leaving. Yeah. So basically in New York, marijuana, the, while I don't. I do not recommend illegal substances to anyone. You should follow the law. But in New York, it's basically new, uh, decriminalized. So people are just smoking outside all the time, really. But anyway, we're just like hitting the small little vape pen. And ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you, Keith could not have been more uncomfortable. And for a minute, I thought <laughs> I thought he was going to flag down a police officer and turn me in for a moment. <laughs> And I'm sure that he would do that in order to save his own skin. <laughs> but I just Oh, wanted... I would throw you under a whole oh. fleet of buses. Yeah. But it, <laughs> I found it to be extremely cute. And I thought hey, you know <laughs> I, I was a good sport. I just sort of stood to the side and let you do what you were doing. You were an extreme... I didn't say anything. You were an incredible sport. And like I said, I found it really cute, almost like cute like when you see a really uh a kid in a costume on Halloween, but his mom made him like put a coat over it because <laughs> it's cold out. <laughs> Cute like that. <laughs> that is such an odd description, but I Before like it. Before giving her a penny, not a dime, not a nickel, but a penny more than I have to. Except if she agreed to stick it up her ass. In that case, I'd hold out a silver dollar. Am I being too... I liked this plot line better when it was Adam Driver and, and Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but meanwhile, so? Adam Driver here is played by Alan Wasserman. Oh, okay, great. Who's that lady with him? That lady with him is... Hold on, I have her somewhere. It's Lily Knight. Who, did I do a thing for her? I don't know. I don't know if I did. Oh. No, she was uh, 
choosing the purge anarchy mm. and uh, secretary. You see, this is what I lived with. All his anger over being short, fat, and witless, he directs towards me. All my misery I take out on you because you inspire it. All right. But let's try to be constructive here. I didn't hire you to be constructive. I hired you to get even. Could I interject just for a second? We are not talking about a lot of money here, and the division is pretty statutory. I'm quite happy to give her what she's entitled to as long as she spends that much in legal fees trying to get it. All right, Mr. Jay. Kepler, that remark could come back to cost you. Mr. Baluti. I can understand how someone could represent murderers, rapists. They're human beings, too. Here's a tip. She isn't. Deep down, she's as much the pig as she looks like on the surface. I dream of a meat hook running up your rectum. It's the only way I can sleep peaceful. Turns out we've learned on the practice that having that dream and even documenting murdering him in a journal isn't actually mean you're... Even if you start building the tools to carry out that murder... Not that's right. Not, uh, not necessarily convicts you of uh, attempted murder. And <clears throat> excuse me. And this is the third reference in this storyline alone to shoving something up your rectum. David E. Kelly, let's talk. <laughs> I'm not comfortable with this dialogue. I know it had to be around 1030 because that's when I left the restaurant, which is maybe a mile from there. Can you tell us what you saw? Basically, two people arguing. The guy looked kind of heated and the woman was dressed like a This isn't Bobby's murder case. As we turned the corner, we saw a woman running in the opposite direction, away from the body. What did you do then? I let my partner out to tend to the victim. I then continued my pursuit of the woman. She ran down an alley, I got out and chased her on foot, and eventually I caught up to her. I then placed her under arrest. Do you okay, see that woman in right this court? Okay, right there. We have something I have been very excited to talk about. Okay. This officer is played by Roderick Bascom, and he has given me an excuse to play my song. We're not supposed to notice that you've been on the show before, but now you get the residuals arriving at your door so welcome back to the practice i'll pretend that i don't recognize that i saw you in season two and you met your demise at first you were a killer but now you're set free first appearance made the filler but you had a goatee you may be fooling someone different but you don't fool me we don't hear the judge but you just might be welcome back to the practice tonight wow one of my faves Keith. guys roderick Bascom has been on the show before. He previously was an uncredited uh, guard in Trial and Error. He was also a clerk in Rhyme and Reason, which he had a line. And now he is Officer Peter Yellen. Now, is he done? No! Because he will be back two more times as two different characters. I look forward to playing the jingle again. And just for the record, he has also he also plays four separate characters on Ally McBeal. Do you think he's like a friend or relative of a director or a DP or like a PA that they just keep giving a role to when they have somebody like he's got to be related? I think he is because he only has eight acting credits. And uh, and two of them are 
performances, uh, you know, sometimes sometimes an extra, sometimes not an extra on the practice than Ali McBeal. Well, you know, extra work isn't particularly lucrative. Although if you string enough of it together, you can you can get by. But these these episodes where you get a line or two, you got to be in the union for that, and you get paid pretty decent. The day rate on an episode like this, you know, he probably walks right away, and it's the '90s, so adjust it bit. But if it was today, you're probably talking, you know, four or five thousand dollars for a couple days, you know. If you include residuals, yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, eventually, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's no, it's true. Not Although he only did one scene. True. I mean, if he, you know, from from Jillian's experience, like having having to go to multiple locations definitely helped. Uh, but yeah, thank you, SVU, for all those residuals that come in every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Then they, like, you never know. You might get one that's a nickel, and the next time it's 500 bucks, and just no rhyme or reason why these come in like years later. Anyway. Sir? I do, the defendant. You never saw her do anything to the victim? No, I didn't. You just saw her run away? Yes. And when you caught up to her, did she say anything? Monica Lewinsky? She denied stabbing the man. See any blood on her clothing? No. Find a murder weapon? No. Thank you, officer. So what do they have on this? You have to testify. Why were you seen near the body? Only you can answer that question. Okay. Now look, I'll tell you again, if we can just find this guy you were with. Mr. Donnell, even if I could find out who this guy is, I don't really want to turn him in. He's helped me by giving me lawyers. Paying for them. I'm not about to betray the guy. Well, that's admirable, Jenny. Are you ready to be convicted of murder? (sighs) Mr. Rogers thinks we'll win. It's close enough She's to get a teenage nervous. Hooker with a heart of gold. What about calling Rogers to the stand? Let him testify as to the whole situation. What do you mean? Rogers can testify his client was with the girl at the time of the murders, but... A t- Bobby's wearing a shiny gray dress shirt. Very bizarre. Oh, yeah. I also had the thought. Uh, this is now the third hooker in the David E. Kelly world that we've seen. And they all look exactly the same. Mm. They're all skinny, 20-year-old, blonde women. And, like, if you think about, like, the in the very first season, Eugene, or uh, the one who was, <laughs> where uh, Free Willy was handcuffed to the mm-hmm. little person, looked just like Taryn Manning's, had the same, same body type, same hair. And then uh, the woman that Jimmy was caught with and the little drummer boy. They all look exactly the same. And they all wear blue, I think. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to screenshot that. We'll put it on Instagram. David E. Kelly? Got to type. Call us up. Attorney-client privilege prevents him from saying who his client is. It would be hearsay. Declaration against interests. The guy was with an underage hooker. My advice is go to the judge now. This is way too dicey, Bobby, even for you. Anonymous hearsay? Just dicey enough. Is it ethical to try that? Well, I don't know, but it seems neither of them is looking for anything material. They just want to be satisfied the other is miserable. I'm not very good at play acting. I couldn't convince my mother to let me stay home from school even when I had a fever. Jimmy and the other counselor are planning a little play action. We could start with Dolores, then do James. They are indeed. But it means kind of lying to our clients. Mr. Berluti. 
We're kind of lying to them anyway, pretending to be sympathetic. He's going to ask her out. I feel like he should. I, I see some Actually, sparks going yes, on here. And this would be one time where maybe not appropriate, but at least he's getting the, the correct Yeah, well, as soon as the case signals. is done, yeah. why not? Mm. Jimmy is thirsty. Mike is thirsty. So is Jimmy. Mike might, he wants to uh, wingman Jimmy. I mean, let's face it, we all do. We'd all love to get Jimmy late. Yeah. They're awful people. That is well, awesome. it's just an idea. If you think that... No. Let's do it. What do you mean he asked you out? He asked me to go to the movies with him. What did you say? She is definitely wearing a feather boa. Well, um, I meant to say no. You meant to say no? I did, yeah. But it just actually, I think the feather boa is is sewn onto the it's jacket. It's sewn onto the yeah. She has a lot of like feather lined coats and jackets. <sighs> just came out sort of yes. What? Well, he said let's go as friends, and and he's a nice kid, and I thought you gotta tell him no, Lucy. Yeah, uh, Mike, we're gonna do a little pop quiz. I, I okay. Ready for pop quiz? Okay. Ready. Uh, you have you have the option of yes, okay, or no. Uh, An eleven-year-old okay. asks you on a date. What do you say? <laughs> Hard no. Well, <laughs> flaccid no. No! <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Oh no! Can we get oh. hashtag flaccid? Can we hashtag flaccid? No. Can we get it trending? I am not putting anything of the sort anywhere near. Oh, <laughs> hope you have a good lawyer. Well, you better be there to talk to him afterwards, because if he's got this big crush, he's gonna be hurt. He's eleven. Me testify? Just tell me like it is. You think Nelson would go for it? I don't know. He'd ask for some offer of proof. Are you willing to do it? Well, I'd have to convince my client, but I think he'd go along. Suppose Gamble then subpoenas my client list. Starts an investigation. Identity isn't privileged. I think we can make an argument that in this case it should be. It's risky. The Again, weird, we're sexy porn music the, in the back while they're having this man-man conversation is kind of ironic. Talking about protecting the identity of somebody who was with an underage hooker. Right. Like, oh man, we gotta protect this guy. He's such a stand-up guy. Let's first see how Jenny does on the stand, alright? And then, then we can make a decision. Twenty years? You're stoner. Yes. You said that. You and said 20 years two episodes ago. Leonard, haven't you been listening to me? Okay, look. Two episodes, two segments. Tomorrow, ago. Staples is going to testify. If he does okay. Oh, he's hey, crying. hey, hey, hey. We haven't lost yet. Come on. 
I'm sorry. All right, all right, come on. This is what we need. You have to... Keith, I don't mean this facetiously, although that's an oxymoron right there, but... Is he just a drug addict, or is he, like, special needs in some sort of way? He definitely feels compromised. What he is compromised by, I think the show's implication is that it's drugs. Okay. But he definitely seems not altogether there. And have they indicated outside of just being his lawyer how their relationship goes back nine years? Well, she said earlier that this was her first client. Okay. Who was innocent and she got him off. And so like there it's a they've got a long history. That's like Rebecca D. Cricket still lawyering for that kid who stole the bike ten years from now. Yeah, and she keeps hitting him. Go home and sleep. You have to get some rest. We don't want you falling asleep in court anymore. <laughs> okay. Anymore. Clean and sober tomorrow, okay? Can you do that, Leonard? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just take some of that cocaine. Okay. Right? You, gotta, you just gotta even yourself out, man. Do you want clean, sober, or awake? You have to choose between those three. Right. Because if he's on that much, clean in that context would be a real mess. Again, Danny, I, I thought you were gonna shave. I'm a convicted drug dealer, Miss Fred. You really think people are going to think less of me because I got a beard? Well, they might think less of you if you look like Charles Manson. Look, I owned up to the truth and pled guilty to this. How can they be going after Leonard? Because they are. And you sticking up for him, the way you look, this could hurt us. Denny, you promised that you would shave before they brought you over. He looks good. Okay. Well, he's not supposed to have sexy stubble. So, all right. This guy is the guy who uh, was the actual drug dealer that got busted while Sleepy Magoo was sleeping off his coke. But he is also John Thaddeus, who also... We're not supposed to notice that you've been on the show before. But now you get twist the residuals arriving at your door. So Can you believe he was also a returner? He was a security guard in Spirit of America. And so I will post those two screenshots together on Instagram. I'm going to save the five screenshots of Roderick Bascom until we see him later. But yeah, he did. Uh, he's back. He also will do six episodes of Boston Legal. And uh, his favorite credit, or my favorite credit, I don't know if it's his favorite, probably not, <laughs> is Octopus 2, The River of Fear. Whoa. Good one. Which you wear? We should definitely do an episode. Uh, 42 regular. Pick up, Lucy. For once in your life, do something useful and pick up. Wow, that was We heard this awful scream. By we, you mean? The man I was with. Client? Yes. Do you know who this man is? No, he was just some businessman. And as soon as we looked out and saw... Well, this man was lying in the street, and somebody was running off, and it was obviously a crime. And my trick, this man, he just wanted to get out of the area before the police came, and so he took off. And what did you do, Jenny? I went down the street to help the man. He was bleeding. I was about to put my hand on the wound to try and stop the bleeding, but then I heard the police cars coming, and I suddenly thought, this can't look good for me. They can help him. So then I took off. 
But you were caught. Yeah. But I didn't stab him. You can't threaten custody. He already has weekends. Everything's subject to change circumstances. We can we're refile any time. Here. What's changed? My mood. And the presumption goes to the mother, so Wait it's... a second. Are you using the kids as, as leverage? I'll use whatever I have to. You know why, Mrs. Pierce? This isn't about fairness here. It's not about justice. It's about money and hurt. Your client's gonna give till he hurts. Or I'll walk into court and call him unfit. He'll not only be short and fat and stupid, he'll be an unfit dad. You ask him how ugly he wants this to be, because with me, there's no limits. If I screw up a few innocent kids along the way, tough. With him as their dad, they're probably screwed up already. Rebecca looks incredulous. She was not read into the play, I don't think. She didn't get a copy of the script. Sorry. I had to get tough. That's okay. <laughs> I brought my trimmers, too. So I want to neaten his hair. Are these now, 42 regular? Uh, I brought one long. Making they run different. I want to pancake these shadows stubble. under your eyes. All right. It'll wait, right so off. why is she shaving him? This criminal... Why is the... <laughs> now She's got an electric razor, and she's actually... Sh he, he can't shave himself? That's the thing. Now, I would vent I'm going to venture a guess here. My guess is that when David originally wrote it, they wanted to cut back to the scene and Lucy's got him in like a a barber's chair and she's like straight razor shaving him cuz she went to barber school or something. But they were uh -huh. like the logistics of that are is ridiculous. Just give her an electric razor, which then <laughs> doesn't make any sense. I you know what the, what I think happened is they got a note from the network saying, oh, she's she's testing well. Make sure she's in at least three scenes. I don't care how badly you have to shoehorn her in. Get her in that jail cell. I, I used to, It was always funny because my grandfather had one of these electric razors, just like the one she's using. And oh, sure, it never yeah, made any sense to me because they, they, they only shave you down to sexy stubble. They don't get you clean shaven. No, they don't do a good job, but... It was it was a really like eighties nineties thing. It was mm -hmm. electric razors were like the rage. And then I got one have, like, that made me feel weird because it like was that Norelco three blade electric razor, but then it would squirt out like this like goo lotion stuff onto your face as it was shaving, and it felt wrong to have liquid on my face being shot onto my face while I have an electric razor. <laughs> yeah, so if you you mean if you if you shave it nice for long enough, it'll. Uh... Yeah, you, you, all right, is there a punchline here? Comedian? <laughs> I, I think the implication is clear. I appreciate clear. what you guys are doing for Lenny. Yeah, well, after all you did for him. I'm here now, aren't I? Yes. Yes, you are. And you're going to be handsome when I'm done with you. Well, I'll be out. That joke made me flaccid. Seven cupcake. <laughs> like, seriously. I mean, not that I wasn't before, <laughs> anyway. Obviously. No, thank you. You're saying for the first hour this of this client podcast, was a business rock hard. Yes. Upon searching you and your apartment that night, Justice the police found only $42 in cash. <laughs> Do you work for $42? He hadn't oh, paid me no. yet. Your clients don't pay you in advance. In the world. He was about to pay me. This businessman? Yes. Could you describe what he looks like, this businessman? He was kind of tall, brown hair. How old? I think around 40 or something. What color eyes? That's me. Um, I think blue. Nope. When the police questioned you that first night, why didn't you tell them about this businessman? Well, I didn't want to be arrested for prostitution. So you lied to avoid arrest? Yeah. You lie when you have to? Objection. 
Sustained. You say this businessman was 40-ish with brown eyes. Yes. Mm, see, actually, you, know you said his hair was brown. His, his eyes, eyes were blue. Are. What color were they? I'll give you two out of three. Objection. Overruled. What color were his eyes? Blue. And you never heard from this businessman again. You know, Keith, I generally can't tell you the eye color of my sexual partners because I have been known to close my eyes really hard and, and think about my grandma for as long as possible to really hold out. So studying details is not, not my strong suit. Also, you didn't have a mirror in the room, so you couldn't see the... No. Is, I think when the police first apprehended you, you said you I didn't no stab him. Anybody's yes. How is? do you know he was stabbed? Well, he. Lo- I also find people who say they have green eyes to be disturbing. Because I, I, do you mean hazel? Is hazel a different? How many colors can, are there actually? I'm not a thousand percent <clears throat> confident what color my eyes are. Yeah, brown. I think they're like mine. hazel-ish or blue. I don't know. Hmm. So I don't not, like eye contact. We're not good weird. fact witnesses. Don't call. No, we eye. would be terrible. No, <laughs> the like, worst. I, it's a good thing we have a podcast. It's like they have Looks eyes. Looks like he was stabbed. You didn't see him get stabbed? No. You didn't see a knife when you got to the body? No. So in the heat of the moment, you just happened to guess correctly. Objection. Withdrawn, that's all. Man, Ellen Gamble, bring in the heat. But again, not a lot of evidence. That didn't go well. You seem to be hiding something. What's her evidence? You were a little hesitant, Jenny. I was scared. Look, you know I'm telling the truth. Well, I don't think the jury... Spoiler alert, I guess she ends up in the pen since she's on that show. That's true. Yeah, this is... uh, It's actually a prequel to Orange is the New Black. He does. Danny, I want to put you up there. We have to now. You think the judge will allow it? If he doesn't, we move for a mistrial. You got to get on the stand and tell them about this client. They'll fight it with hearsay, but we have to try. Without your testimony, I don't like the chances. I think I'll lose a meal ticket. But okay. All right. So at least he's willing to testify. Oh, big and old you're buffer. willing to buffer? Oh God. Well, what can we talk about while this is happening, Keith? How uncomfortable this podcast has been from start to finish so far, <laughs> this yeah, episode. Well, <laughs> we have referenced a few erections. With like a 17 of them. And we started out by like wading so, into well, uh, uh, Kobe's I was just rape allegations. Wondering religion, about this movie erections. we're supposed to go well, nobody to. knows about Kobe because I, I cut yeah. that part out. Even though we say oh, you did. as oh, friends, you well, um, Lucy's about to what exactly are gently. you thinking? I don't know. Go to a movie, talk and stuff. Okay. Oh, God. Oh, God. What's going on? I thought you uh, complained to RCN a lot. I think that might be precisely what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're playing the uh, <clears throat> the pain in the ass customer bill right now. I think I'm going to go back to Fios. Not like boyfriend and girlfriend stuff, right? Is that what you were thinking, Kendall? The best way to let this kid down. Oh, Eugene's listening at the door. Hey, Kendall. I think you're a really great kid. I really do. I I gotta go. All right. 
this whole storyline is totally fair uh, if they addressed him grabbing her ass in a serious way. Because, like, look, we've all been the drugs were mine, crushes. not Leonard's. Did Leonard have any part in the packaging or sale of the drugs? No. Well, he uses from time to time, but he doesn't deal. The single bag the police say they found on his chest, had he bought that from you? No, 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 no. He was asleep the entire time I was doing my business in the kitchen. And when he passed out, there were no drugs on his chest. Doing business? A few people stopped by. And where were these people when the police arrived? They left about 10 minutes before the cops came busting in. Well, is it possible that Leonard could have had the bag of drugs on him the whole time and you just didn't know about it? No, no. I saw him when he passed out and it wasn't there. If one of the other guys that came by earlier wanted to drop it on him, think he's doing him a favor, maybe. I don't know. But if you weren't yeah, you, in the living room at the time, the other people walked through, like it's entirely possible on that Mr. Sowers fun. woke up long enough yes. to ask somebody for the drugs. I would have heard that. The living room is right off the kitchen. And these other people who stopped by, they were your customers? Yes. And you're testifying to all this out of the goodness of your heart. I'm up here doing this because Leonard is innocent. He doesn't sell drugs. <laughs> Leonard's beeper so is sleepy, sleepy Magoo's beeper just went off. Which... Uh, 90s code means you're probably a drug dealer. This is yet another Bobby Donald's stunt. It's not a stunt. You want to call him as a witness? Yes. If she needs time to prepare... He represents her. I know it's out there, Helen, out but... Out there? Look, the truth is being sealed up inside attorney-client privilege. Which never should have happened. Mr. Rogers, for you to take this case is gross malpractice. It's grounds for disbarment. Everything that was yes, done here was done to help this girl get a better defense. I don't care. Look, at this point... And you're no better. You should have reported this. I learned what I learned through privilege. Well, then you should have declined to step in. All of which, probably true. <laughs> Whatever mistakes have been made, we... I love that the judges' chambers is always the same set. They just dress it a little different. So That's I true. Just try to different look for the tchotchkes on the desk, yeah. Can't let like them prejudice the defendant. Porcelain dog. A dog calendar behind him. They find a theme. He should be able to testify. Look, he's the dog guy. Both of you look at me. I like things clean and orderly. I don't like mess. I I'm hate Skeletor. mess. You've made a big mess here. After this trial is over, you might find yourselves in one of your very own. Probably not. Yeah, no. The, the drugs were found survived right on episode. him. But he didn't know they were there, did he? He was asleep. And somebody else just dropped that cocaine on his chest. And hey, we had his friends to be friendly too. Another drug dealer serving time. One pusher vouching for the other. I love loyalty. Who are we kidding? Hmm, For the record, closing. nothing the state no. has put into evidence shows that Leonard Sowers knowingly possessed drugs. He was a guest in the home of Denny Staples who told you those drugs were his and in fact, pled guilty for possessing them. 
As for the bag that was lying on his chest, he testified that he did not know how it got there, and the state never proved how it got there. But hey, why believe this guy? Yeah, but I suppose it's easy not to. I don't think that this case is that good really on either side, because I don't know how it got there is the defense of every single person ever caught with anything they shouldn't have. Like, I, I don't know how the drugs got into my pocket. I don't know how the drugs got in my ass. I don't know how the drugs got anywhere. That's what everybody says. And you, it's hard to really prove that the person put it in their pocket intentionally. You can always say somebody else put it in my pocket, right? Yeah, but burden of proof here is not on them. No, but this they have the same burden of proof of almost every drug case in history that people get convicted for constantly. Which was like you have the drugs. When his in your pager pocket, dude. went off during trial, didn't we all think drug dealer? Yes. And we see how he looks, half in the bag. If he's on drugs, he'd probably sell them. And even if he doesn't, so what? He's a druggie. What's the big deal locking him up? And you know what? As his lawyer, and as someone who cares about him, and I do, I've been thinking maybe prison's the best thing for him. It'll help him go straight. Because at the rate he's headed, he's going to end up dead. Dropping some truth bombs. He might be better off in jail. Only problem? That's not how this works. He should only be found guilty if he did the crime. And he didn't, and they can't prove he did. As a matter of law, the state did not make their burden, and that is all there is to it. Ashley, that's not all there is to it. Ooh, what else is there? The reason I do this job, there are people out there who don't catch many breaks. And the business of law is pretty much like any other. You're going to get what you pay for. And well, a, uh, a drug addict, he's not going to get all that much. And that's too bad. Especially when underneath the glassy eyes and the disheveled appearance, there's a good man. Especially when underneath all that visible wreckage, there's an innocent man. I don't have any illusions about getting you to care about Leonard. I only ask that when you go back into that room, please do not be distracted from your job by the fact that you don't care. A lot of compassion there we haven't seen from Eleanor in a while. Yeah. Makes it's me wish not I'd fair. Her she deserves a lot more. It's not going to happen, and you know too. why. Yeah. Unfitness runs both ways. You don't... Closing time a few seconds ago. Think we'll go after her? Think again, Tubby. Hey, you listen. No, you. The best interest of the kids is for this fight to be over. Your client knows that. That's why she'll take this settlement, even if it means getting less money. You think you're going to just steamroll There's the deal, Mr. Baluti. Call me when you sign off. Come on, James. Rebecca's putting it together. Good performances Gee, by both sides. She seems side. so peaceful. Yeah, well... It- Wait an hour, then call. Got it. <laughs> She's fine. Well, what was that? Well, uh, 
We kind of fake these meetings. Excuse me? Both clients wanted satisfaction that they were getting beaten up, so we gave it to them for a cheaper price than if they got it for real. Wait, wait a second. You and this lawyer... You... Play acting. Well, you can't do that. Beck, the property settlement was statutory. The amount was going to be fixed. They were both looking for psychological victories. They both got them. Jimmy, you're a lawyer, not a psychologist. Well, sometimes we got to be both. You'll learn this. Winning is good. Making the client think he won? Better. He hired me. I hope they don't touch... I hope that's the end of that whole storyline. From beginning to end, pretty pretty excellent. Achieved what it needed to achieve. Uh, thesis stated and completed. Let's leave it. Okay. Let's find out. Need to defend her, I guess, out of conscience. Who hey, Mr. Is this Rogers man? is on the That stand. I can't tell you. Can you explain why? He told me in an attorney-client relationship that precludes me from divulging his identity. Well, this is probably hard for the jury to grasp, and I'd like to ask some questions that perhaps they might have. Monica's listening intently. You went forward to help this young woman because you believed you could offer a better defense than the public defender. Yes. And yet you would agree the best possible defense that Jenny could get would be for your other client to come forward and back up her alibi, right? Yes, but that wasn't going to happen. Well, suppose the public defender hired investigators and somehow tracked down his identity. He could have subpoenaed him and made it happen, right? Yes, but I guess I didn't consider that too likely. Public defenders are overworked as it Excuse is. Excuse me, but the public defenders I know are not only pretty good, but they tend to try their best, especially for murder trials. Mr. Rogers, did you take this case because your client feared being tracked down? I beg your pardon? Well, it makes sense, doesn't it? Who better than the girl's lawyer could guarantee that this man doesn't get found out? That's not what happened. And I'll assume you're asking what you think could be a juror's question, because I know you know that didn't happen. I do know. Because I also have the benefit of knowing you personally. If there's a more honorable lawyer, I haven't met him. Objection, assuming facts Your very much not in evidence. Don't have a great Sustain. track record. My problem, Danny, Bobby. knowing you as well as I do, I can't believe that you wouldn't fork over this guy's name, even if it means losing a meal ticket. I couldn't. Attorney-client privilege. privilege. Yes, but, but balanced against this woman being wrongly convicted of murder? The Daniel Rogers I know would reveal the name of the alibi witness. Well, I guess you don't know me as well as you thought. Or I don't know the true stakes. Oh, it was you. Shit. What Jenny Raines that night, wasn't it? Plan B. What? That I'm sorry to say that you here, but Rogers. I couldn't let this go. What are you talking about? Man, I wasn't my next question, okay? Don't say anything yet. I apologize for doing this to you on the stand, but I needed the threat of perjury. Plus, I know how you value that oath to tell the truth. I know your conscience, Danny. It's that conscience that made you come forward to help Jenny in the first place. I'll ask one more time. A lie will hurt her and you. Uh, you will admit she was her. But if you both heard the scream. You both looked out the window. You should keep lying. That's the truth, isn't it? Please answer the question, Mr. Rogers. Great silence. I'm going to assert my Fifth Amendment right and refuse to answer. 
on the grounds that I might incriminate myself. Boom. So he's the murderer or he just was the John? He was the John. He was the John. The charges are completely dropped. Yeah. Sometimes even the DAs can do the right thing. I heard Look that. Look at that, Bobby. Nailed it. There are conditions. Foster care program, counseling. All stuff I think is good. Can uh, give us a sec? Let's all admire this painting behind this window. I just suddenly <laughs> figured. Does he know I really didn't tell you anything? He does now. Jenny, how could you sit on the truth and risk jail? He came forward to help me, Mr. Donald. And he said if I got convicted, he'd tell. And I believed him. You know, you're a little too trusting for a person in your line of work. You ever think about changing careers? Okay. Will the defendant please rise? In Eleanor's case. Madam Foreperson, the jury has reached a verdict. We have, Your Honor. What say you? Commonwealth versus Leonard Sowers. Cocaine or heroin? On the count of possession of a controlled substance with intent to deliver, we find the defendant, Leonard Sowers, not guilty. Yes! On the count of possession of a controlled substance, we find the defendant, Leonard Sowers, not guilty. The jury is dismissed with the thanks of the court. Wow. We're adjourned. It means nothing, Leonard, if you don't get help. I know, I know. You keep saying it, but you need to do it. Will you let me help you do it? Why? Guys, we're because three for three. No, I mean, why do you care so much? I'm just. Why? I like you, Leonard. It's not every day you get to meet good people. This is bewildering. Yeah, well, I I had in my notes like, is he good? Is he bad? I don't know. It's very confusing. You know what? Bobby's let's go with go. let's get let's since we're both actors or have been. Yes. Let's go with benefit of the doubt and say that it was a good performance. In that he probably played it a little more subtly, and the direction was to go for it. So he just amped it up a little bit. I I I'll allow it. I accept it. Let's talk in front of another matte painting behind a window. I'm sorry. You did what you had to do. And I know that eventually you would too. That's why I took the chance. I didn't come back to represent her just to protect me. I really thought I could help her. So is this guy like going for the award of the most honorable dude who banged an underage prostitute? I guess I better go talk to my wife. Did we give an oopsie out for that? I am sorry. I, I don't want to do the graphic for that. <laughs> for doing what needed to be done. In the end, you were always stronger than me. Well, there's evidence to the contrary. 
still unethical. Even if you basically give the client what she wants... At half the cost. Yes, at half the cost. Not telling her what you're up to. You know what your problem is, Beck? I mean... You hold what we do up on some pedestal, like it's some big thing. And isn't That's it? her job. She's Rebecca D. Cricket. Sometimes it is. Well, maybe with experience, one day I'll learn to be as simple as the job. That was one of those ironic comments. I'm not going to analyze it. I can see clearly. Ooh, we paid for like that song. Yeah. Has gone. I mean, it's a cover. Covers are much cheaper, but yes. Keith Barney's momentum now out on all I can see yes. all or I can actually get paid. In my way. Let's be honest, dude. Nobody's buying the album. That's a thousand percent true. Okay, so we have a shot of Eugene and his son. Steve Harris. Fantastic actor. Terrible at pretending to be cold. Gonna be a bright steam. Eleanor's gonna buy her. She was gonna play with her buddy. Yeah. Gonna buy him some coke. She's gonna get him some cash, but Steam, more steam. Steam coming out of three different places in that shot. There are three sources of steam coming out of the ground in that shot. Bright sunshine. Oh, yes, it will. Okay, guys, we got through the practice season three, episode 14 of Human Bondage. That that was the least indicative title we've had. It didn't really give us anything. Well, I don't think that's true. What's the bondage? Because the bond, well, you had the, the prostitute in human, in bondage, trapped by her job. You have the addict trapped by his addiction. They're all sort of in, indentured to their problems. I mean, that's not wrong. I find it to be a little too deep, even for David E. Hey, you want to know what's a little too deep? Ladies and gentlemen, the Out of Practice <laughs> podcast, in unofficial, unsolicited, no unfactual sense. association with David E. Kelly Nothing Productions, I've said that I proudly sense. present... Oopsie. The Oopsies! Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike. What the hell are the Oopsies? Oh, thank you for warning me not to speak over our good friend, maybe Jackie, because as we frequently uh, <laughs> frequently do. But I do remember to ask who is the most valuable? Most valuable always trips me up. Well, the, what were where were the stakes highest? I guess is the question. I would say a murder a murder trial for a sixteen year old. In that case, I think we have to. I just I, I only ask because I thought Eleanor really was really compassionate and did a great thing for her client. You know, 
No, she for sure did. But like you said, the stakes of that 16-year-old girl who was looking at the guy who could help her the whole time sitting right there, couldn't say anything, and Bobby was able to somehow employ the plan B, which you'd think, since we just had an ep- a whole arc of episodes about not plan b right. That's right. That they would wait a while. David would wait a while to throw it right back into the show, but they pulled it out of nowhere. It was surprising. Bobby used it to perfection, playing a hunch, and got her the 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 charges dismissed entirely. So I think it goes without saying that Bobby Donnell, the most valuable lawyer this week. I totally agreed. Uh, Eleanor did a great job. Jimmy did a great job. But uh, in this case, where Plan B was Plan A, the stakes were highest. Congratulations, Bobby McDonald, for your. Oopsie. E-I-E-I-O. E-I-E-I. Already famous cause you've been on TV. Getting a paycheck. first entry on your IMDb. Way to go. But you're the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor on the episode. I thought we had some... Every guest actor on the show... Mo ninety nine percent, I thought were excellent performances, and one I had to be, I had to really convince myself that it was excellent. Uh, I think a shout out for me. I feel like we might go splitsy here, splitsky. Okay. I think Carolyn Aaron was excellent as Dolores Kepler, but we get a lot of great comedic sort of scene-chewy guest art- actors come through. Yes. Uh, and so I guess that, that that tempers or that increases my sort of tolerance for that. And I, you really got to get me to give you the oopsie. I want to throw a little shout out because I just thought the interplay was so excellent. I can't find her name. I'm stalling. Who was the uh, Jimmy's opposing lawyer who participated in oh, the play action it, with him? It's Lily Knight. Lily Knight. I thought this the interplay between her and one of our regular cast members was so excellent and so funny and cute and heartfelt and actually played towards an excellent point that sometimes the client feeling they're right is more important than the actual mm-hmm. meat and potatoes. So I would like to throw my oopsie consideration to Lily Knight playing Pierce. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I you know, I would love to see them hook up again. Mm. Um yeah, no, I think that's I think that's totally fair. Um, certainly, the highest profile today is Taryn Manning, who I thought did an excellent job. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm actually going to give my half of the oopsie to Philip Kasnoff, uh, who I think I referred to as Tim Kasnoff earlier. Uh, sorry, it's not Tim. It's Philip, uh, who, as Danny Rogers, as the lawyer hiding his identity from his good friend. You know, it's not a, it's not a super Chin Sui scene. Chin Sui. Oh God. Chin Sui. It, I'm just going to leave it. It is not a very <laughs> Chin Sui <laughs> role, uh, but he did a good job. And I, when I first watched it, I sort of got all the beats and I, I, cl- I clocked that it was probably him earlier than they revealed it in the episode. 
um, mainly because I'm naturally suspicious. But I think he did a good job. I'm not sure we'll get into it in the oopsies. I like how they treated his character uh, or what happened to him. But I, I thought he did a good job. So congratulations, Lily Knight and Philip Kasnoff for your best guest actors. Which brings us to... You killed your podiatrist or blew the case But you let a single tear run down your face You're the best actor on the show First, a shout out to all of our regular players. I think that it's often an uneven spectrum, but this week I thought every one of them to the man slash woman was excellent. Finding nuance playing their characters from even Eugene, who didn't have a ton to do, just the empathy he showed his son listening at the door, all the little beats, how it broke his heart that his son needed to have that first heartbreak slash rejection. Everybody was excellent. Yep. Yep. I would like to throw my full-throated support, though, behind someone who I, a couple episodes ago, said I was uh, feeling bad for because the character was a little bit uneven recently. I think that Cameron Mannheim as Eleanor Frutt takes the episode, not just a great nuanced performance, a compassionate performance, but that closing, I thought, really showed her at her finest once again. So that's where I'm throwing my oopsie. Yeah, no, I actually, that was going to be my thought as well. It's it really nice to see the Eleanor that we know and love, the compassionate, smart, powerful lawyer, and not the one who's sort of like snipey and bickery behind the scenes uh, except that we, this i mean we can talk about it on the episode but we might as well right here they that one throwaway line when she's calling lucy yeah they always do it's like there's always one little snipe like we have to just aside. make it like they're ha- like i like when they're snippy snippy back and forth but that one seemed a little meaner than it needed to and it was like for the audience's benefit like who right. cares like why would she even say and that she's about loud? to come do you a huge solid by like electric shaving your client for you Right. Well, but that is the writing and not the acting. Correct. And the acting, I can give 100%. Congratulations to Cameron Mannheim for being the best actor of this episode. Which brings us to... The Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady! Well, Tom, what are you going to do? Or You're clearly not retiring. You're going to stay with the Pats? Are they going to make you an offer? Are you going to go elsewhere? Lots you're going to play thoughts. for a different team? You're going to go to Vegas? I XFL, don't know. maybe? Who knows? Can... <laughs> <laughs> uh, the only thing I know for certain in all this uncertainty is that he is, in fact, Tom Brady. Uh, Although yeah. maybe he's not. Maybe he has turned See, himself yeah. to a life of weather. I'm telling you, I'm calling an audible. I'm giving the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady to Cloud, to Cloud Lover 69. 69. <laughs> oh. What will his icon be? I don't Well, just maybe clouds. Cloud Lover 69, congratulations on your Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. Keith, may I make a request? <laughs> Certainly. For the Instagram listing of winners, can you take a picture of Tom Brady and Photoshop a cloud for a head? Uh, sure. Easy. Okay. I'm on it. Okay. Well, that was odd. Congratulations. (laughs) Nid is now time for... Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. 
I really thought that the interplay between Jimmy and Lily Knight and the whole sort of divorce case was the strongest part of the episode. I I liked it from top to bottom. I even liked the little epilogue of Jimmy and Rebecca in the bar at the end. I thought th- thoroughly it was great. So I'm going to give that case 3.33 stars. I'm going to my math okay. rant again. The Plan B case, um, I actually thought that was pretty good too. It's, it is weird that they spent so much time talking about how noble he was, and he was trying to help her in the best way he could by concealing his identity, while, whilst concealing his identity. Even though, as you mentioned, it's oddly incongruent that whilst all this is happening, he was hooking up with a minor prostitute. Yeah, he's like the nicest uh, guy who sleeps with underage prostitutes we've ever seen on TV. But I liked, once again, you know I'm a sucker for when the behind the scenes strategizing takes place and he and Lindsay had some had that cool scene where they're figuring out how to put him on the stand and I thought Bobby right. was excellent and I thought the acting throughout the throughout it was excellent. I even like the admonishment from the judge. So I'm gonna give that two stars as two two tires as well. Okay. Um, so with the five point three three. Five point three three stars or tires. And then finally remind me the third case. <laughs> Uh, it's Eleanor's drug case. Oh, yes, the drug case. So I loved her performance. I thought the case was sort of, I'm trying to see where what it was, why? Was it just to turn her around? Because it's not like we haven't touched on the drug dealers and there was the drug dealer who just told what actually happened and so he got all, like it didn't seem like it added anything. There wasn't any interesting question asked. <clears throat> so for her performance alone, I'll give it a star. So what's that, uh, uh, a tire? A tire. So that gives so us 6.33 tires. 6.33 tires. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I agree. I think I'm sort of with you on the overall episode. I disagree on the elements. Um, okay. I actually, the the drug case with Eleanor, I think what it added was the through line of compassion for addicts. Mm. which I think is something that we think about much more today than we would have in 1999. That There was still very much a tough-on-crime Rockefeller laws and just sort of like... there was The crime bill was only five years old, I think, at that point. Um, so having compassion for the drug addict, I thought was a really nice beat for the show. And, uh, you know, we, we criticize it so much for all of the times it's behind the times. And I think in this case, it was a little ahead of the time. Yeah, um, if, but if if I can just interject, I agree with the sentiment. However, the execution was still ham-fisted because, as we mentioned, there were so many yes. tropes. They didn't really specify between the drugs he was being accused of using slash selling or how he would actually behave or the beeper thing seemed to be just like a trope that was unnecessary yeah, yeah. Well, I was I was about to get to that part oh, okay. of it where where the execution, the heart was in the right place. It didn't have any idea what the fucker was talking about. Yeah, okay. <laughs> which uh, frankly I think applies to us as well. <laughs> yeah, fair, fair. But we never claimed anything bad no. more than that. No, certainly not. Uh, I thought, um, you know, Jimmy's case with the divorce couple fine whatever it felt kind of fillery to me you know the main case 
with the lawyer trying to protect the prostitute by pretending he was another client. I actually love that case conceptually. I think it's a fascinating case. Uh, you know, if you pitched me that story in a, in a story meeting, I'd be like, yes, this is our A story. Let's do a whole episode on this. But the execution of it fell flat to me. Uh, I, I think certainly we totally let that lawyer off the hook. Mm-hmm. And, and I certainly, <laughs> that does not age well. Apparently it was not that big of a deal. Uh, back in 1999 but like that's a big old deal and i don't think you should be let off the hook for that uh certainly the lawyer committed perjury on the stand he said that it was a client so so he he pled the fifth later but he actually committed perjury the minute he said that there was another client so uh there's a go-between there so that i think the the lack of consequences for him if it were a prostitute of age then i then i don't really care like that's between he and his wife you know i I, i'm i'm not necessarily uh against decriminalizing sex work but i sure as hell am against it when you're 16 so these are things in the writer's room that that confuse me because it didn't why make her a minor to raise the stakes? But, but it's it doesn't. They don't actually explore that. So why? Well, do yeah, it? no. If if you're gonna do it, you have to do it, and you have to really think through that the whole consequences of that and all of the things that that means. It's like two episodes ago where we talked about it at the time. I won't belabor it, but when the father, when the mother killed the baby, they could have just had that the the daughter accidentally smothered the baby, but instead. Right. They go through this whole convoluted thing about how actually it was the mother because she assumed the father was the the daughter the 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 father right right and they're like well why 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 we don't even explore the question Bobby's just like yeah. oh you're a friend of mine I'll help you dispose of the body yeah no I I agree with you it's like you're it's almost like you're tossing in these escalations of the crime for seasoning. Mm-hmm. And not really thinking through the consequences of these escalations. And I'm totally fine. Like, what the hell? Go fucking dark. I, you know, like, mm-hmm. let's do it. But you have to do it and not sort of toss it off as a case of the week and make it about like this nice guy trying to help out this poor girl because that's not what happened. Um, all right. So let me get to the fucking point. So I, for all of those reasons, I'm going to give it a six. So it's a 6 and a 6.33, and in between there is math, and that yeah. will be the number of tires we've given this six episode. 6 and change. Before we drop the point, though, I will give credit where credit's due. I think, for my money, this is the best use and execution of the plan B. Yes. I think the twist was a solid twist. In fact, I, now, the audience knows how little I'm actually paying attention generally, but I didn't clock... I didn't clock that the guy, he was the guy. Okay, sure. Yeah. So the twist was, I don't want to say shocking, but it was well executed, I thought. And the plan B made sense. Bobby, putting him on the stand, used that opportunity. He was able to convince him to take the stand for a different strategy when knowing full well he was going to use it to plan B him. So I thought it was yeah. pretty cool. No, you know what? You're right. I 
the execution of the plan B was was great, and I I love the twist. So you know what? You you just bought him an extra half a tire. Wow! Wait, you're gonna make so math I'm gonna more say complicated? Six point five. <laughs> oh well, no! It's, it's every bit is incomprehensible. Yeah. So six point five <laughs> and a six point three three. The answer is math, and that is the amount of tires that this episode so got. Inside baseball. At what point in the week do you do the blog and have to do the stupid math? I do the stupid math every Tuesday afternoon after we launch. Okay, great. So the the blog, I go to work, I do like a half an hour of actual work, and then I do all the graphics and I put up the blog all at the same time. So Tuesday afternoons are usually when this happens and the math happens. And I put it in the spreadsheet. I have a huge, elaborate spreadsheet of all of these stats. Keith, my Amazon Prime is here, so roll that outro. Oh my God! Get the let's get this damn thing. Unfortunately, over with. it's twenty-five minutes long. <laughs> if you would like to join the jury or just be a participant in the podcast, please write us out of practice podcast. Sounds.